Great, if you can make your way back to your seats, we're going to get started. Thanks so much, church, and open up your Bibles, please, to Judges chapter 14, as we continue our series, Seeing Christ in All of Scripture. The title of the message uh, this morning is, Samson, Deliverer Through Death. Samson, Deliverer Through Death. And so, Judges 14 through 16 is going to be the section of Scripture that we cover here. And as you're kind of making your way to your seats, I just want to encourage you, I read this news report from uh, a news source from Iran, and they were talking about that Iranian security has had arrested six Iranian Christian converts in the northern city of Rasht in February. And uh, it mentions, the story does, that converting to another religion is forbidden in Islam and in countries where religious law applies converts can be prosecuted. Iran regularly arrests Christian converts. And I love this phrase in this news story. Christian converts whose numbers have been rising in recent years. Praise God. Reaching tens of thousands or more, according to some estimates. And a well-informed source named the detainees. And listen to the names of these men. Khalil, Hussein, Abdulreza, Kamal, Muhammad, and Muhammad are brothers in the Lord. I'm so thankful for how God is advancing His gospel all over the world. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing. The name of Christ is going forward and sinners are being saved from every tribe and tongue. Amen. Isn't that good news? I love that story. Well, open up your Bibles to Judges chapter 14 through 16. We're going to read uh, actually in chapter 16, the very last section, um, beginning in verse 23 through 31. So read there together with me and we'll begin there. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country, who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. And then Samson called to the Lord and said, Oh Lord God, please remember me. And please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistine for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtal in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 
20 years. Again, the title of the message this morning is Samson, Deliverer Through Death. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness to your people throughout the history of the world. We are so thankful for the way you were faithful to your people Israel in this passage, and it reminds us that you also, Almighty God, are faithful to us, your people here in 2019, your church. We are so grateful, Lord God, for your faithfulness. It spans through the generations. And Lord, as we look at the life of Samson here today, I pray that we would be inspired and we would be moved and encouraged and admonished by the word. We would be deeply touched and that our hearts would be transformed to love the Lord Jesus, your son, even more and to believe in him with all of our hearts. So we ask you to do this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, I got three points this morning. Number one is a lion killer. Number two, when strength and God left Samson. And number three, deliverer through death. And so let's look first at Lion Killer. The guys are always asking me possibly for a closing song to worship with. And I always love that time every week where we're thinking about what song to maybe close and worship with. I thought this would be a good name for a song, Lion Killer. I'd love to play electric guitar for that song. Um <laughs> He's going to see some wonderful stories in Scripture here in Judges chapter 14 through 16 as the judge or the savior with a small s of the people of Israel, Samson, and his life plays out. So the first thing I want to highlight is the, just the background and the context of this section of Scripture. The year is about 1075. So just to put it in context, this is about 300 years after Joshua dies. So Joshua dies around 1375. Now we're in 1075. We're actually approaching and getting closer to, to the time of Saul and David and David's reign as a king. So we're coming to the end of the time of Judges by the time we're here. And uh, it, it's wonderful how the story of God's faithfulness to his people plays out. But Samson was one of the, one of, one of the last judges, and we get to see his story here today. And remember, a judge is a deliverer, a savior with a small s. During this time, and, and we've looked at this as a memory scripture throughout this series in the book of Judges and seeing Christ in all of scripture. In Judges chapter 21, we read that everyone did what was right in his own eyes. There's a scripture in verse 25. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And so you see time and time again that God's people rebel against the Lord and then they end up being oppressed by a neighboring nation. So what happens here is the Philistines this time are the oppressors. In previous years, we saw over on the uh, eastern bank of the Jordan River, there were oppressors on that side. Now we come all the way over to the coast of the Mediterranean on the coastline where the Philistines lived. And they oppressed a different section of Israel. They oppressed the tribe of Judah where Samson lives. And we see that in, in, in Judges chapter 14, verse 1, Samson went down to Timnah. And at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. And so then he came up and he told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as a wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people 
that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines. Remember, it was against God's word and God's law to marry someone who was not a part of the people of Israel. And still, Scripture speaks to it. We should not ever be yoked together with an unbeliever. This is the corresponding principle in the Old Testament, that the Gentile Philistines or those who were unbelievers, the Israelites were not to marry them. But we see Samson really disregarding the word of God and his mother and father's counsel who were pointing him to do the right thing. But look at what Samson says, and this is right in accordance with the times in verse 3b. But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know, it says in verse 4, that it was from the Lord. For he, speaking of the Lord, was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. And at that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. This section here, this phrase in particular, it was from the Lord, really affects me as I think of God and his workings and his dealings with his people. He is always working, brothers and sisters, all things together for the good of his people. Amen? And Israel's now being oppressed by the Philistines. And so Samson is going down amongst the people of the Philistines, and he's longing for one of the daughters of the Philistines to be his wife. And his example here, Samson's, is bad. His parents is good. So dads, listen, there's a, there's a good Father's Day application here in this for us, that Samson's father knew the word of God and admonished his son not to marry an unbelieving woman. Now, we as parents cannot control the will of our sons and our daughters. All we can do is preach the gospel to them and hold the word of God out to them. And that, moms and dads, we must do faithfully. I want to just encourage all of our parents not to be driven by fear of our kids. There's so many Christian parents who are so afraid that if they share the word of God with their kids or the commandments of God with their kids, they're afraid their kids will rebel because they did that. And so they just stay passive. They stay quiet. They watch their son and their daughter slide away from God and drift away from God. And they just kind of do nothing about it. They don't put any pressure from the Spirit of God upon them. and But you see here that Samson and his wife are faithful to admonish Samson with the Word of God. Samson doesn't listen to them. He does what is right in his own eyes. And there's consequences that play out in this later on. But what is so encouraging to my soul in the midst of this first section of Judges 14 is God is in the midst of it all working to accomplish His will, brothers and sisters. And this is really important. Take this down deep. God is working for the overthrowing of the oppressors of Israel, the Philistines. Even in the midst of Samson going in a sinful direction, which God forbids and which grieves God. And John Ellicott writes about this, that God makes even the weakness of men redound to His praise. Amen. And where we see God make even the wickedness of man redound to His praise is here in this story with Samson. Samson begins to wander away from the Word of God. And remember the previous passage, he was a Nazarite from the time he was born. He was to be dedicated to God and dedicated to the Word. 
and he was to give himself completely and wholeheartedly to God. And here we see him wandering away from the Lord. Where we see God make even the wickedness of man redound to his praise most is at the cross. The murder of Jesus on the cross by the hands of wicked men was simultaneously the most wicked act that has ever or will ever occur. And yet behind the evil of Satan and demons and men was the hand of God. It was from the Lord. Look at this phrase in verse 4. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord. This is meant to encourage our hearts, brothers and sisters. And as we look back to the cross, Isaiah 53.10 says that it was the will of the Lord to crush His Son. So simultaneously, the wickedness of man was at work while the good purposes of the Father were being accomplished. Our salvation. And the encouragement here, just in opening, is God is sovereign over all things. Over every atom in the universe. And over every sin that is committed as well. Even in the murder of His precious Son, which was simultaneously the greatest act of love and the greatest act of salvation ever. We who believe in Christ will be saved and in heaven forever because of Christ's death on the cross. And in every detail of our lives, brothers and sisters, it has, ever, and especially the details, I want to minister to you here pastorally in application to our lives every day. In every detail of our lives that have been perplexing to us, we can read the verdict of Judges 14, verse 4 over it. It was from the Lord and be at peace in our souls when we trust in the Lord. I remember when I was in uh, the, our sister church in Marlton, pastoring and, and serving as a youth pastor. And I remember there was a young man that, you know, for many years seemed like he was really bearing fruit and growing in the Lord. And then later on, he began to rebel and it really broke his mom and dad's hearts. And I was praying for him and reaching out to him. And he just grew more and more hard-hearted towards God and toward his mom and dad. And he ended up just leaving his house and, and, and leaving away. And I remember the mom just saying to me in tears, just trusting in God. And I'll never forget her saying to me, the counsel that she had received from a sister in Christ in the church. Our disappointments are God's appointments. And what that conveys is that our God is sovereign even over the things in our lives that don't make sense and which break our heart and which pain us so deeply like this must have pained Samson's parents. And let us remember where we see it most. is isn't just in Samson and God being in it with Samson, but God being in it through the greatest act of evil man has ever committed. Through that greatest act, God did the greatest good. What man intends for evil, God intends for good. 
Samson was sinful in what he did and would be held accountable and will be held accountable for that. But God was good in what he did simultaneously. He was in it to work the deliverance of the people of Israel through Samson. It was from the Lord. So let us never use the sovereignty of God as an excuse on the front end to rebel because I've got to work good from it anyway. No, no, we never live like that as Christians. But for all of us who are suffering with with pains and grief and disappointments and loss, and we are just perplexed as to how in the world could God be good and what he's doing here. Let us not forget that our good God who sent his son to die on the cross for our sins and go through the greatest suffering that any any man ever went through, let us remember it is that trustworthy God who says in his word here in Judges 14, verse 4, verse 3, the Lord was in it. And the Lord is in it with you, brother. The Lord is in it with you, sister, with what you're facing in your life right now. And I wanted to just share that pastoral burden and that thought from the word that God is working all things together for the good of those who love Him. And we must never forget that in the midst of our greatest trials and pains and suffering. Even in the times when our children are making choices that are dishonoring to God. Let us do our utmost. Let us be faithful parents. Let us be faithful dads. Let us not shirk our duty and use the sovereignty of God as as an excuse for our passivity no let us engage let us get on our knees and pray for their souls and let us as the lord opens doors of opportunity with love and tenderness and graciousness no self-righteousness no anger let us appeal to our sons appeal to our daughters to follow the lord lest they fall away but let what brings us peace at night be the truth that the lord is in it And if you could lay hold of that today, sister, if you can lay hold of that, brother, today, and whatever you're facing, it can bring comfort to your soul. And here we see how the Lord is in it. Samson goes down, verse 5, with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came toward him roaring. A young lion came toward Samson roaring. This is such a peculiar turn in the story, but a wonderful one. It says in verse 6, Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and again, she was right in Samson's eyes. The Samson goes down and kills a lion. And then look at the way this story develops. After some days, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion, and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on, eating as he went, and he came to his father and mother, mother, and gave some to them, and they ate, but he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. I love uh, Charles Spurgeon. He writes about this uh, turn of uh, of the story here in relation to Samson becoming a lion killer and the Spirit of God coming upon him. And he later on tells this riddle to the men amongst the Philistines that 
out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And Spurgeon writes about this. There was a swarm of bees with honey in the carcass. It seems to me that the Israelite hero, with a slain lion in the background, standing out in the open road with his hands full with masses of honeycomb and dripping with honey, which he holds out to his parents, makes a fine picture, worthy of the greatest artist. And so artists go on the move. This image here of the lion killer with the carcass of the lion dripping honey in behind him and Samson having the honey in his hands, offering it to his parents is, as Spurgeon says, worthy of the greatest artist. And Spurgeon says, and what a type we have here of our divine Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. What a type we have here. Samson was one of those men whose paths were crooked. He was devious in his ways. He was not pursuing the Lord with all of his heart as he should have been as a Nazarite. He was driven by the lust of his eyes. He was being unfaithful to the Lord, but God was in it and God was using him. We see that he was a man here who was powerful in the Spirit of God and being used of the Lord greatly in power to move and to work a mighty act of killing a lion. Well, brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but whenever I read a roaring lion, as the phrase talks about here in Judges chapter 14. Where else have you heard the phrase roaring lion? You remember the passage of Scripture in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, where the Word of God says that our adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And church, I want to remind us I want us to ponder this, that out of the lion came something sweet for Samson. The lion he tore apart, instead of merely rotting, became a container for honey that Samson and his parents later enjoyed. Satan is a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but like Samson, Christ has alone torn the roaring lion apart through the cross. And out of Christ's triumph over him arises eternal sweetness that we already partake of now and which we will savor and enjoy all throughout eternity. The work that the Lord Jesus has accomplished in crushing the roaring lion that rushed at him has brought sweetness out of the carcass of the dead lion to us, his children. And so, brothers and sisters, let us remember that our Lord Jesus is the greatest lion killer. The roaring lion named Satan went up against the lion of Judah, and the lion of Judah won. He is the lion killer, of which Samson could only be a pointer to. And out of the carcass of Satan's destroyed body comes eternal sweetness that we will enjoy forever forever and ever in heaven.
Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says this, that Jesus by dying, he could destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. So that by dying, Christ has destroyed the one who has the power of death, the devil. Samson's a lion killer, but the greatest lion killer is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? I love that truth revealed in that section. And you know what? The power of Samson and the power of the Spirit coming upon him, it happens even in the midst of him not following the Lord with all of his heart and trusting in the Lord with all of his heart. And he actually goes against the Word, and yet the power of God flows through him. And and, and God uses him even in the midst of this. But we see that what happens is the moral corruption of Samson begins to take a greater and greater toll as Judges 14, 15, and 16 progress. Samson runs up against the Philistines and they deceive him. And the woman, the women that he are, he's with are treacherous and deceptive to him. And they continue to do him wrong. And yet he keeps going back and he gets angry at the Philistines and he ends up destroying them. At first here, after he tells the riddle and his wife, the woman he married from the Philistines ends up deceiving him and telling her countrymen the answer to the riddle. And Samson goes and ends up beginning to wreak havoc on the Philistines. And he leaves. And then as the progression happens in Judges chapter 15, we see that the father of Samson's new bride basically just gives his daughter, who was Samson's wife, away to Samson's best man. And that angered Samson greatly. It brought about a spirit of vengeance. And again, you see through all of this sin and all of this deception, which is dishonoring God, God is moving simultaneously to bring about the deliverance of his people who were under the oppression of the Philistines at this time. He ends up going and he, he sets fire to 300 torches tied together to 300 foxes and they destroy the crops of the Philistines and the Philistines become angry. They begin to hunt him down. Samson throughout chapter 15 is hiding in the cleft of the rock and the people of Israel come to him and say, Samson, you're causing trouble to us and how are we going to handle this? And Samson says, listen, tie me up and hand me back to the Philistines. And it's a fascinating narrative, church. I want to encourage you to read these sections that we're not able to cover in detail through the preaching because we just have to move forward. As, as you look at this story, at the end of chapter 15, what you basically have is Samson with the jawbone of a donkey, strikes down a thousand Philistines at one time, and he just lays waste to these men. He's an agent of God's justice against these unbelieving Philistines. Heaps upon heaps is the phrase that's used here. So not only is this man powerful as a lion killer, as a judge who's judging over Israel, he's also wreaking havoc and striking down a thousand warriors amongst the uh, the Philistine men. He's breaking the oppression, and he actually rules Israel, it says here in verse 20 of Judges 15, for 20 years. God, in the midst of, after that battle, Samson was practically dying of thirst, and God opens up a spring for Samson to be able to drink from, which revives him. And so 
we see that even as Samson is wandering in his heart, God is looking out for him and still caring for him in his times of need, which is so kind of God that he's so faithful like that, even in the midst of our wanderings. God has been so good to us. Is he not, church? I'm so thankful for him. Point two we're going to look at briefly is when strength and God left Samson. When strength and God left Samson. We're now moving into Judges chapter 16 with the famous passage of Scripture on Samson and Delilah. You'll see in the first section, before he goes to Delilah, Samson goes to a prostitute. He is a man who just lacks self-control. He's driven by pleasure, and he's, he's not seeking after pleasing God with his body. He is dishonoring God with the use of his body. He's living in immorality, and it starts to begin to take a toll. He ends up, it says in verse 4, that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And what you see after this is this fascinating story, which really illustrates, brothers and sisters, of the, just the deceptive nature of sin and how when you give yourself over to sin, your, your ability to just make good common sense decisions about life begins to go away. Samson clung to Delilah so much that she had this power over him that he gave her out of his heart that she is deceiving him and seeking to just take the power out of him so that her countrymen can come and work harm in Samson's life. She's doing it again and again and again, and Samson just keeps coming back for more. It's a picture of just the insanity of sin when we pursue it. It it actually just leads us to abandon reason and to pursue pleasure at all costs. And Samson really, really gets himself in trouble here. Delilah, she's not motivated by love for him. She deceives him. She receives money from the Philistine men who want to take advantage of Samson. And she ends up going and she gets the answer. She wheedles the answer of how Samson has his power, which is that there wasn't a razor that was used on his head, even from the time of his birth. He was a Nazarite dedicated to God. And as such, his hair, which had grown long, was the source of his power. But what happens is, is he tells Delilah, and Delilah ends up having a man cut off Samson's hair while he slept. And it's such an image here of the mighty Samson just through his impurity and his ungodliness and his corruption of soul, basically gives himself over to sin in such a way that it says in verse 19, this oh, this tragic phrase, look at this. She called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head, and then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. Samson's strength left him. And then she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Oh, brothers and sisters, how tragic that the Lord had left this man who was being so used of God. And you think had Samson been wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord, how God could have used him in even greater measure with all the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through him as a judge in Israel. The great good that he could have done, not just in delivering Israel from physical oppression, but the spiritual leadership this man might have given. 
But instead, it, turn, it takes a tragic turn. He's drained of his strength. And the Lord leaves him. And brothers and sisters, when we walk in sin, and we give ourselves over to sensuality and to lust, it takes a toll on the brightness of the light of Christ that shines out from us. Sin robs you of your passion for God. It robs you of the bright light that could shine out from your life if you would, or if I would give my life and our life wholeheartedly to God. Samson, his heart is divided. And the corruption grows throughout the narrative and eventually it leads to him being in such a state to where his strength leaves him and it actually says, that the Lord had left him. And we learn later as we progress forward that that leaving him was only for a time, thank God. But our sin separates us from God, brothers and sisters, and it, it leads us to drift away. We tend to think that sin is not going to have a great effect. And it seems like Samson began to become presumptuous and just thought that, you know, I can just keep on sinning and I'm never going to have these bonds hold me until finally the power had gone out of him. And look at the consequences that happened to this man in verse 21. The Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza amongst the Philistines. And they bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. That This is what sin does. It makes us into slaves. It oppresses us even worse than the Philistines do. And then there's this word of hope in verse 22. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. And we get this glimpse of what's about ready to happen in the section of Scripture that I read in the beginning of the sermon. That God is going to strengthen the the deliverer yet again. But brothers and sisters, before we take our turn to that third and final point, I want to really remind us to take our remaining indwelling sins seriously. Take walking in holiness and in passion for God and giving your heart wholeheartedly to the Lord seriously. As John Piper says, impurity darkens the God-seeing lens of the soul. Isn't that good? Impurity darkens the God-seeing lens of the soul. Impurity does indeed dull our sight of and our desire for God. Only repentance and faith in Christ and a conviction to walk in purity for Christ's sake brings the spiritual life and joy and fruitfulness that should mark every true child of God. And this this section here causes you to ask the question, oh Lord, is there a man that could come who has not only great power, but in perfect purity to be a deliverer for your people Israel and your heart looking ahead to the promised one, the promised Messiah who was to come, can sing, yes, one is coming, who not only has greater power than Samson ever could have dreamed of, but also is perfect in his purity, so that when he would one day die on the cross and rise again, his power would break the bonds of our sin and shame, and also his purity would be credited to us who are impure so that by believing in Jesus Christ, by faith in Christ and in faith in Christ alone, 
we can be justified, church. And all of our impurity, all of our sin, can be covered by the blood of Christ, which was shed on the cross for us. But also, the perfect purity of Jesus Christ. He was tempted in every way, even as Samson was. Even as we are, and yet was without sin. He never stumbled and fell once. And it's in Christ's perfect purity. It's in Christ's perfect obedience to the law and His perfect righteousness, friends, that our salvation lies. Because here's the good news of the Gospel. And here's another little sweet taste of honey in the midst of this sermon. God the Father has chosen to credit Christ's perfect purity to us by grace. Us who are impure. Us who the Bible calls ungodly. The Bible says God has justified the ungodly. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so put your faith in and trust in Christ and taste the sweet honey from the gospel this morning that there is one who has come, who unlike Samson, not only moved in power and never lost his power, even when he went to the cross, he saved us through the mighty working of his strength when he died, but also he was perfectly pure where Samson was not. And delivered us from an oppressor that was much greater than the Philistines. Yes, brothers and sisters, the lion killer has delivered us through his death. Isn't that sweet? It is sweet indeed. The Bible says that the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. Proverbs chapter 5. And he is held fast in the cords of his sin. So the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. Here Samson is ensnared. He's held fast in the cords of his sin. And it says that in his great folly, he's led astray. Samson is an example of a man ensnared in his wicked deeds, held fast in the cords of his sin. His lack of discipline and self-control led him into sexual immorality and to in greater and greater folly. He was led astray by his passions. He could not get them under control. And by the end of this chapter, he's imprisoned and enslaved. This is a picture of where sin wants to take all of us to. It's waging war against our soul, each and every one of us, seeking to ensnare us at all times. Oh, brothers and sisters, there would be no hope for any of us if it was not for our Lord Jesus Christ and His mercy and His grace. And that's where I head into the Third and final point, deliverer through death. You know, before we actually just delve into that, and and that that won't be too long, I just want to highlight this, that God left Samson because of his own sin. The strength went out of him. Do you know that God also left Jesus over... Not his sin, but your sin and mine. This is another sighting of Christ where Samson, even in his destitution, is a type of Christ. He was left because he committed his own sin, but Jesus committed no no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And yet, when he cried out on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because 
for the joy set before him, brothers and sisters. He was willing to take all of the wicked deeds that you have done and I've done, all the evil thoughts and every wicked deed. He took it upon himself and became sin for us so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. That's another sweet sighting of Christ, another sweet taste of honey here. And I want to invite you into your own sightings of Christ. They're all over the place, all throughout the Old Testament. I'm trying to hit everyone I can in the daily devotionals on our church Facebook page. I'm trying to hit everyone I can in the sermon. One of the most frustrating things in this series is there's just so much content and so much glory of Christ to see in the Old Testament that I, every week I'm running into the challenge of God, how do I, how do I bring this dump truck full of treasure and dump it and, and, and how does it help us all? The Holy Spirit is helping us to do that and I'm so thankful for that. But that is indeed a great challenge. Well, here in the final scene, Samson has his eyes gouged out. The, the consequences of, of his sin have just played out before him. His hair's beginning to grow, but he's a slave, and the, the Philistines are mocking him as they're worshiping their false god, Dagon. I mean, this is just an absolute degradation of, of, of what an image of where sin and where Satan wants to take all of us, to stand over us and mock us as we, in our slavery to sin, are absolutely destroyed. But God says, enough is enough. Samson, I love this image of him in verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord God, please remember me. Remember me. Remind you of the thief on the one side of the cross. Lord, remember me. Remember me. You cry out, remember me today, friend. And all of your many sins and all the consequences that have played out. When you look to Jesus up on the cross hanging there, shedding his blood for you. When you say with faith in your heart to the Lord Jesus, remember me. You're remembered and you're forgiven instantaneously. And the Lord promises, today you will be with me in paradise. You who are dying alongside of me. Remember me. Samson says. This is an evidence of Samson's repentance, which is such a beautiful image of, of, of God working the grace of his salvation in the soul of a man who had wandered. And look at how God has been so kind and gracious to us as well, church. He cries out, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And God fills Samson with power yet again, and he he leans on the pillars that were holding up this two-story level residence that had so many people in it. There were 3,000 people that when Samson brought this down by the power of God, 3,000 Philistines died, and there were more who were killed on this day of Samson's death. There were more There was more oppression broken and the people of Israel set free in Samson's death than even through his life. And this image of Samson as a deliverer through death and the yoke of oppression of the Philistines broken by this judge of Israel points to, as Samson is a type of Christ yet again, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 
who also delivered His people from oppression through His death. Samson turned to God in the land. And he was used to bring about the deliverance of the people of Israel out from the oppression of the Philistines. And as believers in Christ, you and I have been delivered out from our sin and satanic oppression by our Savior Jesus Christ who died to deliver us from our enemies. Yes, indeed, church, there is another deliverer through death, and his name is Jesus. And he stretched out his arms as well in strength on the cross, and he died for you, and he died for me. He crushed every enemy of your soul, believer. This is happy news, and everything that separated you from God. When Christ stretched out his arms on the cross and cried, it is finished, he brought down all the walls of everything that separated you in your sinfulness from a holy God. The curtain was torn in two, and, and now you were reconciled to a holy God because Jesus Christ stretched out the arm of his strength and crossed the great divide of God the Father's holiness and our sinfulness, and he brought down everything that had separated us from God. He conquered over our sin. He conquered lion killer over Satan. He conquered even over death when he rose again on the third day. You and I, brothers and sisters in Christ, are saved from our sin, saved from Satan, and saved from the power of death, and saved from the just wrath of God that would have come upon us throughout all eternity in hell had Christ not stretched out His arms and brought those walls down. Church, Samson is just a a picture that points us to the glory of the true lion killer who is the true deliverer through death. And church, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted us in closing. He just wanted to impress this upon you. taste of the sweetness of what He has accomplished because there is honey in the carcass of the dead roaring lion who would have drugged you down willingly to hell but for the power of your Savior who has loved you and who will never let you go. He is the true and faithful God who has delivered us through His death and has brought eternal sweetness and salvation into our souls through the power of the cross. Isn't He awesome? He's awesome. And I'm so thankful for our wonderful, wonderful Jesus and what He has done. I'm so thankful for God's faithfulness to His people Israel through Samson and delivering them from the Philistine oppression and delivering His people from their enemies. But church, delivering the people of Israel from the Philistine oppressors is one thing. God, for us, has delivered us from oppression that would have oppressed us forever and ever in hell. 
His deliverance and and salvation of your soul is more worthy of praise than even the Israelites who praised Samson for breaking the yoke of bondage over the Philistine oppression. Our God has done awesome deeds. Great and mighty is He. Our Lord is a warrior. He is a lion killer. He is a deliverer through death. And by God's grace, those of you who have repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus like I have, the Lord, the Holy Spirit wants us to take a sweet taste of the honey of what He has achieved in the salvation of our souls, rescuing us from the eternity of damnation and hell that we would have had. Enjoy that sweet taste. And know that in every detail of your life right now, even the very hardest of things, that the Lord is in it. He is working all things together for your good, beloved. He loves you so much more than you could ever imagine. If He did not spare His own Son, but put His Son through the horrors of the cross to save you, how will He not also along with Him graciously give you all things? Take heart, beloved, and taste the sweetness of your salvation and taste the sweetness of this relationship now that you have with your holy God because Christ pushed the pillars across and brought down the walls that had separated you from your God so that now you're reconciled to Him. Enjoy and savor the sweetness today. Tom and the worship team, could you guys return and we sing the power of the cross together in closing? Oh Jesus, we just thank You so much for all that You've done. We want to worship You now. We want to praise You for all You've done. How fitting for us, Lion of Judah, to praise You for killing the roaring lion and destroying him. Even though He's still roaring and oppressing us now, we have the assurance, the blessed assurance, that He has not won, but You have crushed His head. And You will destroy Him once and for all on the final day of judgment. Thank You so much for Your mighty power that has delivered us through Your Son's death. We love You. And we worship You now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let us stand.